everyone. Welcome to Pigskin Pandemic featuring Kevin, Matt, and Ben. Just three of your everyday guys just giving their opinions on all the latest and upcoming NFL news. Things may get a little steamy or a little wild, but hey, it'll always be unscripted and real. Let's listen in and see what they have to say this week. Move to a segment. We got two segments coming up. Uh, the first segment is going to be Lake of Fire. This is where the we're going to pick two players. I've picked two players, two coaches, and two GMs that are on the hot seat, and we're going to see who is closest to burn. So we got two players. Now, these two players, um, Matt, you'll like the one player. You'll probably laugh when I say this, so I'm going to say the first name. I'm going to say the other player first. They're two you know, players that, hey, you, you gave them a whole bunch of money, and right now they just look like piss. The first okay. player is Kirk Cousins. The second player is Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, who looks worse? Kirk Cousins, unfortunately. As much as I would love to argue against anything Eagles, I'm just going to say Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins made a grand production of going out there and securing that big contract. He really, really thought it was important that he proved to everybody his value and his, uh, you know, that his level was up there and that really it was the Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team. Really, it was Washington's failure to recognize that he was a capable and worthy product of a good, of a big contract that he went and he got that 50 million or 50 million in change in guaranteed money, went over to Minnesota and then proceeded to play the most average ball I've seen since Brett Favre on the jets. That, wow. that is totally fair. The only thing I will make a, a counter argument and I, I don't want to argue for Kirk cousins ever, but the only thing I would say where I would say it's, it's probably closer to a push because I think Wentz looks pretty god-awful, um, is that you did take away his best weapon. I mean, so, you know... You it's, don't it's think Adam Thielen was his... Uh, I mean, he was the leader. I mean, his, statistically, Adam Thielen seemed, at least on paper, um, and it's hard to gauge when you have two studs like that side by side. That's fair. Um, but I think I think the difference is, is that, again, Kirk Cousins... Um, He's had – God, it pains me to, to say this. He's had more than, than Carson Wentz has really had. Um, and with that no, aging that, line – No, that's probably true on offense. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And with that aging line around Wentz um, – and, and don't get me wrong. I'll get a little deeper into this. With that aging line around Wentz, it's only right to assume that he's going to see some struggles. I mean, it's just how it goes. Um that aside, uh, it is, it is uh, you know, I, I, we, we shared that statistic last night amongst the group um, where Wentz has got, you know, something like a, a league high or during the last game. Let me see if I can just find the information. All right. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got 20 off targets throws this season, the most in the NFL, but 15 of them have come with a clean pocket. So yeah. there's obviously some question marks there and there's some, there's some reasons to be concerned. I understand why Eagles fans are jumping to Jalen Hurts already, you know, due to some of the things that are out there. But, again, it's week two. But let me pause you. Let me pause you right there. So, for those who don't know what off-target, you know, 20 off-target throws means, that means that a player is open, you throw them the ball, and you miss the receiver, whether it is too high 
too low, too outside, too inside. Those yeah, basically an incomplete pass players. that's on the quarterback. That's on yeah. the quarterback. Not because the defensive player has made a play, but it is the quarterback has um, thrown the ball and has not thrown it accurately to the receiver. Go ahead. Okay. So my thing is it's only week two for the, for the Eagles. And while it's only week two for Minnesota, I think Minnesota um, being be, – time's a little bit more – on the Eagles side right now, right? You, you look at the NFC East, you look at how soft it is. You look at how many teams and how many gaping holes in key positions. And every mm-hmm. one of these teams is really just a couple of key position pieces away from being a competitor. Yeah. Um, whereas in Minnesota, you have a heavily competitive Packers team. Um, the, the, the Lions surprise you. I'm not going to say that they're heavily competitive, but then it's really no, like they Minnesota. find a way to win a game. They shouldn't You're right. Right. right, and then yeah. really you have you have Minnesota. So Minnesota, you know, they, they don't have time to waste. Like they don't have the comfort of knowing that like there are the other teams have holes. They have other complete or near complete teams around them. Honestly, I think when the Bears, uh, Mitch Trubisky behind, you'll see a completely you know reformed team there. They've got a lot of talent um, all around them. But getting back to the point at hand, I think there's more of an expectation with Minnesota. And that's why I think he's a bigger failure or, you know, more of a, uh, a failure. He's getting paid more. He's a bigger, um, he's in a, he's in a tougher, he's in a tougher division. There's just more expected of, of him than there is. I think Carson Wentz right now. And I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't love saying this, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with your and assessment. I'm, and and, but, and it's, it's one of those things. I never understood the move for Minnesota. You know, Kirk Cousins, I thought, got a little bit of a raw deal in, in Washington, which isn't a shock. Um, but at the same time, Kirk Cousins did a great job for himself. But did, did, was there ever a point where anybody, you know, uh, who didn't, you know, bleed for Washington or bleed for Minnesota think that Kirk Cousins was even a top three or top five guy in the league? No, Let alone the, the guy who should get paid like being the top guy in the league? No, absolutely um, not. So, you know, I mean, the, you know, Minnesota made its bed. And and the only thing that could happen for them is I could see that defense coming together. You got Ngakwe, who got there, you know, a week and a day before the season started or whatever it was. Um, and, you know, they've got some of those kind of things to kind of come together. So I could see Zimmer getting that defense in order and, and becoming a, a team that can be decent. Um, Bar is going to hurt him. Bar is going to hurt that. Bar, bar being out for the year, I think he's out for the year. That's going to hurt him. And yeah. <clears throat> and to talk about the bad loss. Uh, and to talk about Cousins. See, the problem with Cousins is this: number one, he was on a bad Washington team. If you think about it, there were weeks where they had five offensive linemen, and all five were playing were guards, playing playing basically out of position. And there were times where <clears throat> the defense just looked like trash. And there were times where they were down to their last receiver and their last running back and their last this. And he found a way to win those games. I get it. So when Minnesota says, okay, we have the better defense, we have a better offense, we're just missing that guy that can get us out of those games that we, that we may lose by one or two points. Kirk Cousins could do that. Could he do that? Yes, he could do that. 
The problem is, is that <clears throat> Jay Gruden right now looks like Jesus Christ because they never, he never wanted to endorse Kirk because obviously he saw something in Washington that made him say, nah, we can't give him that money. Obviously. Yeah, we'll give him sure. one year. Give me another year. Give me another year of that because I don't believe what I'm seeing. Give me another year. Give me another year. Okay, cool. He goes to Minnesota, and if it wasn't for that last-minute catch, you know, with this with the Saints or what have you, if it wasn't for some of the things that, hey, some of the things he couldn't control, well, you know, Minnesota may be in a different spot, right? So, sure. am I saying that? Am I saying that Kirk Cousins is worse? I can't. And here's the reason why I can't say that Kirk Cousins is, isn't worse. The second that Carson Wentz came into the league, he was LeBron James. People were talking about Carson Wentz being the next Jesus Christ from the day he spun the football for the Eagles. I think it's just because you guys know too many Eagles fans. I don't think general NFL fans thought that way. They love Carson <laughs> Wentz. Listen, listen. I never experts, thought that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people experts. thought he was a good player, but I mean, he no, was no, not no, no. Andrew Luck. Listen he was me. not no RG three. He is, was not. The thing is, you know. is that when you when you're looking at how can the Eagles get over the hump, they need that franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. They thought that Carson Wentz was going to be that guy. That's why they went all the way up to go grab Matt too. Oh yeah, I mean that's true. I mean in that and, draft, that's the case. But again, I don't think anybody thought coming into the league, even after he had a you know nice you know rookie campaign. I don't think anyone looked at him and said, this guy is definitely hands down the next Joe Montana. Yes, because remember, after his rookie season and he wowed people, they really anointed him as being one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You got Carson Wentz and you got Russell Wilson and you got his name was always mentioned. Right. Okay, cool. Fast forward. Some of the some of the things that he some of his deficiencies as a rookie are still prevalent now in his fourth or what is this? His fourth season, his fifth season. They're still there. They're still there. And he's still staring down receivers and he's still throwing off target. Those off targets have nothing to do with his offensive line. They have nothing to do with their receivers. They have, if, if, if 15 out of my 20 off target throws come from a clean pocket, that has nothing to do with your agent offensive line. Now, I get it. You could say, well, we could say the same thing about, you know, you know, he's seeing ghosts. Well, he's the main one that can escape out of the pocket. He's a very, he, is he an accurate thrower? We thought he was, but at the same time, we're seeing now in these first two weeks, mm, maybe not so much. And if I, had, if I had a gun to my head and I said, look, uh, Kirk Cousins or or Carson Wentz, I'm going to have you try. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just say, shoot me. Because I can't pick. <laughs> I, can't, I seriously can't pick who's worse. Because Carson, now, I get it. The Eagles went ahead and they paid Peters, Jason Peters, left tackle money. Hey, that's not Carson Wentz's fault. They went ahead and they could have signed some of these running backs out there to go ahead and help them you know, with the running game. That's not Carson Wentz's fault either. They went out there and, but they, what they did do was they know that Carson Wentz loves to push the ball down the field. 
So they went out and what? They went out and got all this speed at receiver so that Deshaun Jackson wasn't the only person on the team going down the field with all this speed because they know that that Carson Wentz won't give, won't take what the defense gives him. He loves to just throw it down the field. Well, I, th- I think the Eagles' number one problem, and, and Matt certainly will probably speak more to this, but I, I think that their number one problem, at least as an outside observer, is they are, as a franchise, guilty to a fault of being in love with the little bit of lightning in a bottle that they caught. Yeah, yeah, And I think yeah. that you know anybody who, who put on a pair of cleats for the, those teams that you know made the run for the Super Bowl, I, I think – you know, they look at those guys with an air of, yeah. of reverence that is yeah. unrealistic. Yeah. You know, yeah. Deshaun Jackson, you know, they went out and paid all this money to get Deshaun Jackson or, you know, they went out and put all this, you know, faith in him. You know, he's played fine, but at the same time, you know, what's not a good play ever. Deciding on your 30 plus year wide receiver is going to be your downfield, take the top off the defense threat. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, you know, they said, yeah, but five years ago, when he was 24, 25, that guy could fly, and it was great, and we loved it. Well, what's, yep, more, you know, what's more Philadelphia than living in the past? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's, you know, <laughs> apologies to my Eagles fans, friends out there, but I think that that's the reality is that, unfortunately, they do that, which is why I think nothing will be funnier in the world, and I, I could actually see this potentially happening, but it would just be the most Eagles thing ever if Chicago trades Foles to the Eagles. <laughs> nothing, nothing would make me happier oh, on the planet oh than God. that. Gosh. The if problem that is, happens... is that's, where, that's where Nick Foles has thrived, so it might even be a boon to the right, that's what it like, like, And then God. somehow it might actually turn into being something that would work because sometimes Eagles do have this weird it's always sunny in Philadelphia magic that happens. But the one thing that the Eagles can do when, you know, they lose games like this when they're supposed to win. But for some reason, every season since Carson Wentz has been quarterback, whether he's been in the game or not, they've, they know how to, when it's time to roll your sleeves up, buckle down and win four in a row, they can go out there and win four in a row at the well, end they, of the season. They and have the a good is, coaching staff. I mean, there's, there's no question of that. They have a good coaching staff that's been depleted against since those you know halcyon years of the super bowl run um but uh they 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 still have a good solid staff there and and i think doug Pedersen is still a a quality head coach um i'll let matt tell me why i'm wrong um but (laughs) that that is you know as an outside observer i think that's what keeps them in games and i think that's what props up carson wentz to look like at times an elite level quarterback versus being just a guy I think with this year being a weird year and the injuries mounting as they are, I think you're seeing that the coaching just can't prop him up quite as much as what we usually get to see, and that's where he looks like more of just a guy. Well, I don't All understand right. that. I don't understand like the the, uh, the 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 lean towards giving giving it to the coaching staff. I mean, who? Who's responsible then for Carson Wentz regressing for the last three seasons? I mean, and that's really what it's been. Who's responsible for that if not the coaches? You but do you really think he's regressed, minute. or do you wait think it's just he's you... been the same? But th- oh, that's he's still... definitely regressing. That's still uh, he, uh, Doug Peterson was just asking in a press conference about him regressing, and Peterson's response was, "That's a good question." 
You yeah, need it is to a good tell question. us there is <laughs> All right, that's the next segment coming up. I know you're going to tell us that, but we got two more. We got two coaches. Okay. Now, listen. We'll pause on I, 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 I pondered this for a long time on which these two coaches. Could it be Dan Quinn because of what he did last week? Could it be, you know. Uh, so oh, come on, there's I, only I, one coach that's definite. Come on. Okay, so I but no 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 because you know what I did find two other coaches where it's just like dude what are you really doing, and that is Matt Patricia and Adam Gase. Okay, right, now, Adam Gase. I don't think we even, uh, you know, unless somebody wants to say something else, I think Adam Gase. Like I, I made the prediction that I thought Adam Gase would be fired at halftime of this last. Well, game. here's here's uh, my questions. Here's the here's the questions though. Here's the questions. Which coach gets fired first? Number one. Adam Gase. Number two, is there anything that they can do to not be fired? And number three, is it them or is it the team? Okay, so answer the first question, Adam Gase, what he can do to not be fired, make it seem like every player on the team loves him all of a sudden, which won't happen, but that would be what it is. And Sam Darnold turns into a top three to five quarterback, which also won't happen. But those would be the things that would save his job. But is it them? Is it is it the coach or is it the team? I mean, in Adam Gase's case, a lot more of him, I think. Now, they're not a talent-rich team, but they have some players. If you put a quality head coach on that team, they have some players that I think could, could still be performing. And I think Sam Darnold is a guy who can be, you know, at least competent to, to go out there and distribute the ball. Um, but not be you know counted on to be a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's that. But again, that's why Adam Gase is there, is because you believe that Adam Gase would turn Sam Darnold into an elite quarterback. But the that, it's up, the same reason why he got fired in Miami, because well, he didn't turn Ryan Tannehill that, into a, uh, an elite quarterback. That's but it. The follow-up to that is the question of, are these Adam Gase's people in on that team? Or is it just the GM saying, hey – you know, this is this is who I'm giving you, and you you just got to work with what you got. Can I uh, can I just jump in here? I um, so I just want to answer the, the the last question there. I think it's Dan Quinn, and it's not because I don't think that that Gase doesn't deserve to be fired first. I think again, you have to you have to consider what the on on the field <clears throat> product is, right? Okay. Now, uh, you look at what Dan Quinn has. You have this high octane offense very capable you have a gunslinging quarterback who's putting up i know he's putting up points because he happens to be one of my fantasy quarterbacks you you have all of this going on on the field and yet you're you're just not closing out games like you're not getting it done like it's and and that that is when it becomes very evident that it's the coach that is when it becomes very evident that it's not the personnel it's not it's not these guys these athletes it's it's the coach failing to do the necessary necessary things to close these games out and to Agreed. steal these wins. Agreed. So, Agreed. so I, I, Adam Gase, while I think he does deserve to be fired simply because he's shown his ineptitude countless times, I think it's less likely for him at this very moment solely because he's got a little less accountability than I think Dan Quinn does. Dan Quinn's got a whole lot more accountability for what's going on on that field because Dan Quinn's got all the right pieces. Can you imagine what another coach could probably do with that Falcons offense, the way that they're looking, the way that they're running right now? <laughs> so well, the, the only reason why I the only reason why the only reason why I don't totally agree with that is because Dan Quinn 
has never had, at least not anything that I can recall, has never had a a player on the team openly talk about how garbage he is. Talk about, you know, scheme or personality or not a leader or any of those kind of things that have come out of New York several times over. I don't think Dan I, Quinn's ever had that. And the only reason why I'm, I'm just bringing it up in that way as far as I don't think the team has quit on Dan Quinn. I don't think he's the right guy like we talked about. I don't think he's he is going to do anything. So I, I don't think he also probably makes it through. Um, but I, I don't think he gets fired first because I don't think the, the team and by and large, then the ownership will say, we got to get rid of this guy. Whereas I think the players are walking into the owner's office and saying, we hate this guy. Yeah. Get rid of this guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he's he, like I said, he's going to ship out Le'Veon Bell. The only reason that's not happening is because he's on injured reserve, but I will bet you it happens right after he gets off injured reserve in week three. I'll bet you he gets shipped out by week four. Yep. And I bet you the Eagles are just waiting. They're just <laughs> licking their chops and waiting. So, Could be. okay. So we got Quinn. We got three. We got Quinn. We have Pay. We have Gase. And we have Patricia. Now let's move to the GMs. We have two GMs. We have David Caldwell. And we have Ryan Pace. <laughs> is Pace just done? Is he just done? Is it just, is it just, you know, the coffin is there. The headstone is there. It's, it's already laid out for him. The dirt, the six feet of dirt is out. All they have to do is just lay him the rest. Or I'm going to say no. No. No, because Mitch is actually playing well. He's, he's playing well enough that you're not saying, God, we need foals in here. So I think Pace buys time and the fact that he can say, look, I found somebody who might be a franchise quarterback. It's, he's not, but I think that's what keeps his seat from being the one that's the first to go. Um, more than that, we're, we're winning. Not what says yeah, and that's what I was going to say. And then the fact that they're yeah. actually finding a way to win games they shouldn't win. You know that's that's gonna that's gonna keep the the temperature off that seat too. I would I say it. going into the year, I would have put Pace at the top of that list, but two weeks in, I'd say his seat is cooling, not warming. Okay, so for now, they're starting to put the dirt back in the hole. <laughs> right, and who is the other for one? Now, now the other one is David Caldwell. Now, here's the reason why I brought up David Caldwell. I could I could say well it's Tom Coughlin yada yada but he's the G, he's the general manager and the Jacksonville Jaguars do not have any of their first round picks from 2015 on none they just got rid of the last one in the defensive end it's true but you gotta think yeah I, I would so, imagine that like all so this... my my question is what happened what happened with all of this talent. Because when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars across the board in every facet of their defense, they had one of the best defensive lines, they had the fastest linebacking core, and they had the best secondary. What the heck happened? So here's the three main arguments I'd make for why Caldwell's going to be not terribly in trouble. One, <clears throat> first of all, the ownership group there, they like him. And and the, the shots are... are loyal to a fault. 
we've seen that, you know, years over with the coaches and years over with, um, with sticking with Tom Coughlin longer than they should have. Um, you know, so that, that, that's the first thing he has going for him there. Second, although the first round picks and the high picks have not panned out, um, he is going to get a lot of credit for finding a Gardner Minshew and Minshew looking like he is a franchise quarterback. Um, whether or not he is or not, certainly I would say that's debatable, but that team believes he is and that fan base believes that he is. Um, and, and I think that'll help him. And then the third thing is, I don't know that you pin it on the GM more so than the coaching staff that all these guys that are talented guys, it's not like you're saying they're, they're taking bad players. They're taking good players and losing them, but they're losing them because they don't like the way they're being used in that scheme. And they, and and now whether or not the ownership is happy with the fact that they're holding a a hard line and saying, we don't want to pay these guys because they're not playing so well. Or if the ownership is saying, why aren't we paying these guys and keeping them in the building? That's the question that, that is going to ultimately be the decision-making factor for Caldwell. I don't know that looking at it from the outside, I don't know that I believe it's less coaching than it is the, the uh, GM, because like I say, they're, they're quality guys. They're leaving Jacksonville and going other places and, and being sought after players. So their talent, they're just not wanting to stay in Jacksonville, but the GM can't really do anything about that. If, he doesn't have the money to pay or, or the ownership is saying, don't spend that money on these guys who aren't producing in that way. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, going to be the rubber being the road there. I, I, I see that. I do. I see that. Um, but sometimes what happens is when you look at it overall in the overall picture, when it comes down to the team breaking down and you look across the board and you've given away all of your talent because your talent for one reason or another does not want to play for that team and they leave in free agency or they get traded because, hey, the, the GM, the coaching staff just can't work with them. The coaching staff and the GMs are one of the ones that are going to go after those players go. So, yes, he found Gardner Minshew and he found some other players. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I believe Allen Robinson was on that team. And you see a lot of these stars that were on Jacksonville scattered across the league. Absolutely. And, and are they doing well? Some of them are. Some of them are not. And I think it was just those pieces that came together that made them great. And now it's just, well, what happened? Do we start over? Do we keep this guy and have him start over? He can find talent, but maybe he's finding the wrong talent. So <clears throat> let's go to, oh, man, this is, this is I'm going to sit back. And my next five minutes is just going to be the greatest five minutes of all time. This segment that we have is going to be F the Eagles. (laughs) And I saved this. That's the the most polite way it's going to be said for the next five minutes. Towards the end, yes, because I, you know, (laughs) I'm not a person that, you know, Matt will go ahead and say the word for me because I'm not the guy that curses around here. So, Matt. (laughs) Well. You know, Here is your F the Eagles segment. Take it away. <laughs> well, fuck the Eagles to everyone listening. Uh, <laughs> figure we should start there. I just want to let, let everyone who is listening know, uh, I can't think of a more worthy fan base to limp into a season at 0-2 while their franchise quarterback continues to have a litany of struggles. 
behind a visor wearing idiot coach. Oh my god. He looks like he looks like a heavy set middle aged woman who's a golf enthusiast on the sideline. Uh, I couldn't be more embarrassed for them. I don't care how oh, many Super Bowl man rings that man wins. He will never be a good coach in my eyes. And the best part is you're right. You're absolutely right about how Philadelphia is. They love living 15 years ago. They are the mullet of the NFL. Oh. There is no rhyme or reason why these fans keep following this team as rapidly as they do, other than they're either being something in the water or what I'm, where I'm putting my money, something more insidious is if, the gene pool itself is tainted. The average <laughs> IQ of 88 running through the streets of South Philadelphia is 100% oh the motivation behind this franchise continuing to sign washed-up has-beens, like giving 38-year-old Jason Peters, not just moving him to left tackle, but letting Jason Peters tell them, you're going to pay me extra money to move to the position that I played my whole fucking life. It's not like he was asked to do something new or learn something new. He'd already done that. This was go back to your comfortable position and play that in your golden years. And this guy still took him for $3 million more million. It's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing to watch because I do know a couple of very passionate Eagles fans who are decent, realistic people. And I, I do believe that every fan base deserves to have a team that, you know, or uh, deserves to have a franchise that really wants to win. And I don't really get that from the Eagles because they can't get out of their own way. And, uh, you know, that is why fuck the Eagles for today. But, uh... <laughs> can, I, can I have a question about oh, one of those points? Oh, sure, absolutely. So I get the Jason Peters thing, and it looks bad. And, and I couldn't agree with you more about, you know, I don't blame him at all for saying I'm going to try and get my money. Why, why not? Right. But my question is just in, in defense of the Eagles staff a little bit, given the situation they were in where they were just decimated with injury and, and given the, the year of COVID that we have and that offensive linemen are just non-existent uh, to be able to be signed. Isn't what there somewhat of a pass? Have? Yeah. Isn't there some of a pass in that like they were, they were held at gunpoint by a guy who should have been holding them at gunpoint. I mean, who else isn't facing those same issues? I mean, at the end of the day, is, is that offensive line really blocking for Carson Wentz at a $3 million increase like in, in price? You know, like they, they, and they're Peter's not the best there. Peter's is looking like Peter's, trash Peter's right is, now. He is exactly. trash. So no, that's it, fair. To me, like giving Jason Peters that, that $8 million to play on the left side was the equivalent of like Dave Gettleman giving uh, it was 8 or $9 million to Jonathan Stewart for a quote-unquote veteran presence. Like, okay. it's asinine moves like that that sink teams' payrolls. You think about what you could do with the Giants, for instance, just signed Devonta Freeman. I'm not out here saying that Devonta Freeman is some kind of stud that just remained untapped up until now. Right. Um, but they just signed Devonta Freeman for, for a deal that is up to $3 million. Okay, up to $3 million. Right, sent to face and all that stuff. But but no, no, just think about what that means, though. We, we, we all know the Giants aren't going to win games, but the Giants need that back. They're able right. to go out there and take that – it's literally $3 million. You're talking about the difference between what Jason Peters was getting paid and not getting paid. Think about what the Eagles could have done if they had that, three, that extra $3 million to offer Freeman. Why would Freeman <laughs> – Oh, because obviously they're going to sign Devontae yeah. Freeman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, just think about that. Right? And right there in itself is proof that the organization – 
the the GM, the coaching staff, and even the personnel. Like none of them really care about the end result on the field. That was a good they, little tie-in right there because yeah. that three million. Because it's like this, okay, Jason Peters, you have retired. Okay, mm-hmm. so but but in Jason Peters' defense, I'm sitting on the couch. Okay, I'm done playing football. I don't want to come back. I have decided I don't want to come back. I get that phone call. Come on, dude. Mm. We need you, dude. dude. We, look, just coming at guard. Okay, I'll none come of at these guard. guys don't want to come back. Hold on, hold on. It's okay. I'll come in at guard. I'll come in. I'll sacrifice my body because you know Jason Peters has been injured often these past few yeah. years. Okay, even more so, reason okay, not to give I'll him an come, extra three million. <laughs> cool. I'll like. come in at guard. I'll come in at guard. They come back to you and go. Now listen, we need you to play the hardest position almost on the offensive line, which is left tackle. Okay, cool. I'll play left tackle. I'll go back to my position, which I really didn't want to. If you want me to go to left tackle, I need you to pay me left tackle money. The Eagles say, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing this. You can't give me a a family discount. I mean, no, I'm not giving you the family discount. You want me to play left tackle. You pay me left tackle money. And they say, well, we need a left tackle so bad, we don't have a choice. I mean, look. They could go with the backup, but the backup may be worse than Jason Peters, although yeah, I don't and, think so. And I, I guess I see what Matt's saying as far as, like, that in and of itself, like allowing that guy to hold you up at gunpoint in that way and, and going and begging him to get off the couch why in the first place. Why are being place. in cap space but trouble? Wait, wait, like, wait, why are they let me back up. cap space? Let's right, back up. Right. Let me back Not up. like they're, they're flush with space, yeah. Because remember, right. they tried to get Devonta Freeman, and they couldn't for that same money. They couldn't. Well, see, we don't know that. I mean, that's, that's, but, that's not fair. You don't know that. But when you're out of work, when you're out of work and you need that job, sometimes your price can lower to where at first I'm looking for this amount of money, you know, and sometimes they put it out there just to see the highest bidder or whatever. Right, but I'm saying we, we don't know what Eagles offered him. For all we know, they, they could have offered him a regular veteran minimum deal and said, we'll give you incentives right. and whatever and blah, blah, blah. Now, to Matt's point, that would have been better – better money spent than paying the extra $3 million for right, Jason like Peters to do our, the same job. That is totally fair. But I'm saying you don't, you don't know that Devonta Freeman turned them down. You just know that they had him in for a workout and they didn't sign a contract. You don't know and, and, where in that our eyes, disparity in our happened. Eyes, you do know that they value, they don't value the running back. The Eagles no. do not value running back. They don't value that position. Because look at the running backs that they could have had. But there's plenty of organizations have. that have been successful at doing that. Patriots, Chiefs. Yes, absolutely. They don't value the running back because that system, especially in Andy Reid's system, yeah. the running back is not that important as a left tackle, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. Agreed. So he All comes right, so, down lower in the poll. So the thing is, is that, yes, they could have went out and got a Devontae Freeman, but they figured, hey, Miles Sanders is healthy. We'll, be, we'll run with him. Bam, he goes down. Did they go out and go get him? No, because by the time they gave that $3 million to Jason Peters, now they don't have no more money. Right. Right. And not even that. I mean, it doesn't even have to be, uh, you know, like a running back. I mean, you can think about all the places that you could use to bolster yeah. a different yeah. position. And, and the reality of it is, is the drop off from what Jason Peters is playing at right now to the next guy 
you're not going to convince me that it's going to be that significant. That line already has... As someone who's watching a terrible offensive line in Miami and as someone who's watching a terrible offensive line in, in the Giants, it's it's hard to believe that, you know, uh, Julian Davenport that we rolled out last year at left tackle for a good chunk of the year, and I can't even remember the guy's name that's on the Giants. You can help me out, Matt. Um, Eric Flowers. Thank you. Well, no, Flowers was the guy they moved no, to guard that we picked it up. Was Nate, it was Nate Solder that came <laughs> oh, from the who, Patriots like, and went to out. the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Nate yeah. Solder. Yeah, so, I mean, like, you know, there's – you know, the, the, I agree with your assessment there, Matt, is that it's it's hard to believe that the guys they could have underneath that could be that much worse. And if they are, then that, again, is just an indictment on – the organization, the organization as a whole, itself. that right, you can't go they, out and find a guy, well, you know, either in your remember, practice remember squad and in, in the draft and, you know, all of that, you know. No, 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 because remember, they did have one. Didn't they have Vitae? Well, yeah. they did. He, they let him go in free agency this year. See that? What a yeah. great so organization. They, they right. Had, I mean, that, they that's had that's the – I mean, that's – in traditional Eagles fashion is what we're talking about, they – looked at what they had on paper and said, okay, if all these guys stay healthy, we got a really good offensive line. We're in good shape. And if we need to, we'll be able to convince Peters to come off the couch and help us out a guard. And, but you can't plan for that. You've got to go out and sign a guy, you know, when you have the opportunity to draft them or to, to sign a guy or to re-sign a guy like Vitae to, to say, let's keep him in the building because he is going to, you know, give you a better option. It's, it's, like it's very similar to what happened. Extra money to yeah, it's, it's, like it's very similar to what happened with like Miami that. last year with, with you know, letting go of Tunsil and letting go of Juwan James. The difference was Miami made no bones and, and had no misgivings about the fact that they were not making a push. They were not, you know, being a contender. Right. The Eagles want to say that they're a contender in the NFC and specifically a contender to win the NFC East, which sadly they might still be able to do just because I just don't know yeah, I mean, Dallas is the team for sure, but at the same time, Dallas is just that team I'm never going to have any faith in to actually right. get the job done. You know? yeah. Until and Jerry Jones have... finally, <clears throat> I won't even say die because I believe he's already died and, and is just, you know, <laughs> kept alive by racism and hatred. Oh, my um, gosh. But... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I just feel like, like I've said before, and I've said it plenty of times before, that the Eagles have the family business mentality where everything stays in the family and they keep their players just a little too long because they they want that family mentality. Well, when they start looking bad and you start looking around and you don't have anybody to, to, and and I'm not going to bring the person's name up because I, I don't mention names on, 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 on this podcast. I'm not here to do that, but we do know a person who every time that, you know, Howie Roseman makes moves, he goes, I believe in Howie. We both know who that is. That's he fair. Says, Howie's the genius. I believe in Howie. He's going to make those moves. He's going to get that salary cap under control. And for years he did that. And now these bad yeah. contracts that he continued to make are now coming back around and they don't have the talent behind them to say, okay, we can get rid of this guy to bring in this guy because that's, this is why we're we're giving those bad contracts out. Right. Now you're looking at the Eagles, and now they're just old. And listen, I would I would remind every Eagles fan that that's that's you know absolutely tearing their sleeve right now about it. You got a Super Bowl. You you, you did it your way, and it worked. 
You we need won. To clap for that. We need to clap and, for that because they beat they, my team. Yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know, they, 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 they do have that to be able to lean on, you know. So it's, that you know, yes, they're being short-sighted in the way that now you've got to say, okay, we won and move on and, and stop worrying about that that happened in the past. Um, the the America's mullet, I, I think, is right up there with Jesus Nut. Um, <laughs> yes. Two, <laughs> two in one segment. Yes, two in one segment. Take a bow, my friend. Um. Yeah, I'm laying no, sorry. I, I think that did very well. Okay, so we're going to make this real quick. This last segment it is going to be the the games for next week. Uh, we have four. I have picked four intriguing games that um, really could. I wouldn't say make or break, but we could really see these teams. Like, okay, so you played some trash teams. Let's see what happens when you play really good teams. Let's see what's going to happen. This is week three. There's four games. Bills and Rams. Match her up. Oh, the Bills versus the Rams? Who are you taking? Um, whew, that's a tough one. I'm going to give it to the Rams. Um, only because the Rams have looked, uh, I, I want to say, stronger in the face of tougher teams. Not that the Bills haven't. Uh, showing their ability to to really ball out behind Allen, I just think you know they've yet to see a real challenge, and I'm I'm curious to see. I, I think, uh, I think it'll be close. Them. Yeah, I think it'll be yeah. close. But I think I think the Rams win just based on uh, you know their the, overall team. I want to see I want to see Jalen Ramsey and uh, and Stephon Diggs. Agreed. The only reason why I give the edge to Buffalo in this one, and this is literally the only one, so I think it's a pick game, so the only reason why I give the edge is because it's a 1 o'clock game at Buffalo. So anytime you've got a West Coast team coming East Coast, I think that's always at a tremendous disadvantage uh, for the West Coast team, and and statistically, historically, they just don't do well. Um, So that's the only reason why I would give the slightest of edges to Buffalo. Otherwise, it is a total pick On a neutral field, that game is, you know, up in the air completely. Second game, yeah. Cowboys and Seahawks. Can the Cowboys uh, neutralize Russell Wilson? No. No. I mean, it's an emphatic no at that. I don't know that anyone's yeah. really going to slow down Russell Wilson right now. I mean, yeah. this guy is playing, you know, he's out of his mind right now. He's, he's, he is unlimited. Uh, yeah. He's, he's just going out there. And, and again, this is a guy who's doing it with, you know, without big names, you know, can you imagine a Russell Wilson, like with the talent Cleveland has, but he's doing oh, it with yeah. guys like Ricardo Lockett, Jesus. you know, Lockett rather or whatever he's doing. Chris Carson, who don't get me wrong, is a talented running back. He's not a premier yeah. back. You know, no, he's, they've, they've turned DK Metcalf into maybe the next premier wide receiver. And I, that hurts me so bad. That hurts me so bad. That hurts me so bad. You don't understand how much that hurts me because DK Metcalf was on the board in the first round when we had a chance to pick him up and we went out and got Nikhil Harry. That would, that one would hurt if I was a, if I was a Patriots guy or, or um, you know, oh, playing other teams. For you? So I, oh my God, <laughs> I, I can't. I'm going to take the Seahawks over the Cowboys. I'm going to take. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to take the, uh, man, I'm going to take the Bills. Over the Rams this week, so the Bills will go three and zero. The next game is going to be Packers and Saints. This is old Aaron Rodgers against an elderly 
Drew Brees. Now we know Drew Brees looks to have on Monday like night dumpster juice. I yeah, mean, I'm he's been looking like Aaron dumpster Rogers, juice. Uh, and, yeah, he's and, he's and, uh he's super low. I think I think he's got like a terrible uh, completion unless it's under five yards. Like I, I yeah. forget what statistic I was reading, but he's Drew Brees is certainly a shell of his former self, and it, it, I think not having Michael Thomas. Uh, is really – it really is. I mean, even with yep. an, uh, an, an accomplished wide receiver like Emmanuel Sanders, who granted is in his early 30s, he's still a capable wide out. I would love if the Giants had a guy like Emmanuel Sanders over there right now bolstering sure. that core. So he, he, they should be able to make do. But for whatever reason, they're just not playing like they, they, like they were. And I think, uh, I think Father Time has really caught up with Drew Brees. So I would absolutely give the Packers edge to – are putting 40 on him. Yeah, I would give I would give the Packers that edge by uh you know a, a good bit. I'm I'm not convinced that if it was yeah. if it was and, a normal year and there was fans in the crowd, I might give the edge to New Orleans because it's in New Orleans on a Sunday night. But in an empty stadium, I, I agree. I think it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, the uh, the over forty quarterback experiment this year has not proved to be a very good one. And the other Aaron Aaron Jones, which is what oh, I said before, I said Aaron Jones is a really good back. People didn't want to believe that he was a really good back. I'm not really going to take him in fantasy. He was, he did, he was one of the reasons why I kind of like, you know, won in our fantasy because I actually had Chris Carson and Aaron Jones and both of those guys, even though they may not chug out a whole lot of yards or give you 150 yards per, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, those, their stat lines with their passing game and their run game and things like that, they're, they're just – they work so well in that offense. Agreed. Um, and I may go back on my Cowboys uh, Seahawks pick only because I don't think that the Seahawks can stop Zeke. So we'll have to see about that. For right now, I'm going to take the Seahawks. Um, but I may go back on that. Um, okay, and here it is. The game of the week. This may be the game of the year. Chiefs and Ravens. Now, it's going to be in Baltimore. There's mm-hmm. no crowd. You got Lamar Jackson, and you have Patrick Mahomes. You Monday have, night as well. Monday night. You have the fastest offense probably in, in the league, and you have one of the most stingiest defenses in the league. And this was supposed to be the AFC chip game last year, except, hey, Tennessee ran off through Baltimore. So who you got? I just don't doubt anything Patrick Mahomes can't do. So I, I'll go Patrick Mahomes, but it's Lamar Jackson's another one that I, I called wrong. He has stepped his game up to a level as well, and uh, he he looks every bit as good as advertised this season. So it's going to be it's, – it's another pick but I just – I can't pick against Mahomes. I feel the same way. I just feel like it's a tough thing to do. I mean, the kid is uh... – He's he's the hottest thing going right now in in the NFL. I mean, even even with Russell Wilson playing the way he is, I would still say like it's only week two. Like Mahomes is just getting started. Um, it's it's very hard to 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 have Mahomes as one option and choose somebody else. You know? Well, for me, I'm going to be like NFL game day, and I'm going to put the I'm going to put the wolf hat on. I'm not going <clears> to howl <throat> like the wolf, but I'm going to be the lone wolf. And I'm going to say the Baltimore Ravens. The reason why I say the Baltimore Ravens is because the Chiefs do not have the defense to stop Lamar Jackson. Yes, I don't believe Lamar Jackson as a passer. I truly don't. If you take the middle of the field away from him, he's tragic. However, 
you can't stop him from running the football. And unfortunately, he is probably the best RPO quarterback in the league, and that is with Cam Newton in the, in the league right now. He is the best in the RPOs because, unfortunately, if they wear their black jerseys, one of the things that they said was with the brown football being so dark and the black jerseys, you can't tell where the football is when they hide him in the belly. And that's one of the advantages that Lamar Jackson has when he's running that's the RPO. And he is probably the fastest quarterback in the league outside of maybe Taysom Hill. So when just, just a quick happen, point on the jersey thing, doesn't that mean the Browns should be the best team in the league because it would be camouflage the best? No, because their brown is like a – Shit stain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, was called, a, that was called a, a softball. I was lobbing over the plate for you, gonna, just waiting for you to – I was going to say like doo-doo stain brown, like milk chocolate brown. But I got you. He I was just I was, I was hoping Matt took the bait and, and he did. He did. <laughs> I know who I was. So I know who I, I know who I I'm f- supposed to be. I feel like <laughs> I feel like they're gonna and they're at home. Maybe they may not have fans, but I feel like with their run game, I think that the Chiefs get their first L. And if they meet again, depending on where they meet, and they will. I think that I think that the Ravens, I don't think that I think it's I think it's the Ravens Super Bowl to lose. I, I, yes, the Chiefs are yeah, – they're going to pass up and down the field on them. They are. But so will the Ravens. And it's going to be like the Ravens – it's going to be like the Chiefs and the Rams two years ago where it's just I, – and I want it to be that way. I want to see all that offense. Sure. I'm a defensive guy, but I want to see that. So um, I'm, picking, I'm picking the Ravens. Okay, everyone. That's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget to join us next week as we hear more of the guys' opinions as they talk about the news on the NFL. Goodbye.